We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And on Saturday, the Lakers got blown out against the Denver Nuggets in a performance that was so egregiously poor that it led to LeBron to apologize to the fans on Twitter and promise that the team will be better. He said, we will be better. Um, we dedicate a lot of the a lot of time on the show to lineups and schemes and, you know, the, the details of basketball, the sport that we all really love, but there's something that comes with being on a team that I think is universal across sports that is important before you get to any of that, that if you don't have that Darius, if you don't have that collective will to play hard, that, uh, will to play together and for each other that what lineups you're running, what schemes you're running, things like that don't matter. And we spoke a bit toward the end of last week about how the Lakers were likely to go through a time that was about to test their resolve. And this so much of Saturday was self-inflicted, right? If you don't play hard, you're going to get your butt kicked. It's the NBA. It's going to happen. But I think looking there's a certain amount of looking in the mirror that needs to happen uh, from the team, from from all aspects of it. What were your takeaways from Saturday? Before the game, I had written at Forum Blue and Gold in my game preview about the idea that the Nuggets only wins of late had come against basically either bad teams or teams who were out like their top players and that their losses almost all came against good teams. Their only loss that was not against a good team is the Clippers beat them without Paul George. The Clippers beat them by two points in a game that was in the 80s. So so let's just say that that was not a representative NBA game in terms of just like what you'd expect from an outcome in general. That doesn't diminish what the Clippers did. Obviously, the Nuggets blasted the Lakers and the Clippers beat them. But the idea to me was if you purport to be a good basketball team, then go and beat the Nuggets. Basically, you've got pretty much your entire team. They were down three rotation players. Now, those three rotation players, one of them we haven't seen at all. Two of them are pretty important players, I think. Um, And we can talk about Carmelo Anthony a little bit later. 
So if you're asking me what I thought about the good uh, or about the game and against the Nuggets, I thought the Lakers are not a good basketball team. They're, in fact, a bad basketball team. And that idea of togetherness, I think, is super important. The idea that came from me, though, is that the Lakers' margin for error is so thin with this group and the players that we thought would be talented enough to help sort of lift the team have not been talented in the ways that they need to be talented. And there's a dispirited idea that I think this team has taken on when they're at their lowest and when they're at their worst, that is reflective of the fact that they go out there and they try to what level they try, I think can be debated, but they go out and, and they try and what they try does not work. And when you're playing to a certain level and you think that you're doing your best and your best ends up being Mike, that the other team happens to not be able to miss a shot over the course of an entire quarter or damn near an entire half. And the scouting report that you're operating under produces results that the other team looks like they're the Harlem Globetrotters and you're the Washington Generals. There is this idea that, oh my God, like none of this is actually working for us. And the takeaway for me from the Nuggets game was the Lakers have so far to go from where they want to be as a good basketball team. And I'm not sure what they're going to do. Like LeBron saying like, we'll be better. That's hopeful. To me, I think LeBron's been in the middle of both the best and the worst of what the team has been in terms of offense. Like he's been great. And on defense, I think he's been pretty bad for maybe a stretch of four or five games now. And the Lakers are losing, I think, primarily because their defense stinks. And they're back to where they were maybe about a month and a half ago where I'm thinking like, I don't know what this team is going to to do they're no longer playing hard so uh, sorry i said a lot there and i didn't really pose anything to you mike but i'd love to hear your thoughts on like your takeaways from from the nuggets game just just because i came out of that fairly i don't even want to say frustrated it was almost like is this what y'all are now because if this is what y'all are then it's just like pack it up man go home because y'all aren't together in any real way and there's no path here. Like, like I don't see the path if y'all are going to play like this. Well, I think this is close to what they are without Anthony Davis and with what the rest of the roster is and with what stage we're at with LeBron's career. And I think that, that they found some spirit and it worked well against some bad teams at home, them playing a certain way. Then Memphis came in and, you know, really kicked their rears and – since that game, I think they've sort of realized that unless they play with this certain level of sustained energy and effort for the whole 48, like then that's where that's the difference between a good team and a team that's not good, where you can like you can play poorly and still win if you're a really good team. And this team is not good enough right now to play poorly. And so they start out in the first quarter and they actually play pretty well. I thought the game plan was working well enough and they were limiting Jokic for the most part and they were punishing Jokic on defense. And then the Nuggets went six for seven from three. And a lot of those threes were contested and that seemed to sap their spirit. And it was, you know, it was Highland who was, I think, at 34, 33%, a good shooter, but 33% going into that game. He hits his first two. Morris, Barton, and Gordon all hit their first shot. And, and at that point, 
you know, the Lakers had sort of played as well as that group had played uh, for like against a, at least a decent team. And I know that Denver hasn't been great, but they're, this is also built in the tax that's built in for teams that are going to, they're just going to play better against the Lakers uh, than they played in their previous couple games and likely in their next two. And they did. Uh, I, I watched their previous couple games and then I watched their game last night and Utah kicked their ass and they didn't have the same zip. And that like, it's always, it's the letdown game, right? We we always joke about this, but it's the letdown game. After you play one of your best games against the Lakers and it leaves us asking all these questions, then the team looks like they've usually looked uh, and they just didn't play well against the Utah team that had a lot to play for because of all the Gobert comments. And we'll, I don't know if we'll touch on that because that's guess who the Lakers play tonight. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff there, but I don't, I, I don't know if you have an answer, Pete, but I don't. I don't think there's a some obvious solution. And if they just switch this, sure, there's one starter we could talk about, like getting him out of the, the starting lineup. And But I think that it's it's a mix of LeBron's tweet where LeBron just decides, I don't care what's going on. Like I'm even if I have to, to exhaust myself, we're not going out like this in the short term. That's about the only thing I think that could work. And then AD comes back and becomes actual AD. And it's a uh, that's what you're grasping for straws when you're when you're a game below 500 at this point of the season. I don't entirely agree with the idea that this is just what we are right now with the because I've seen this particular group of players play a good deal better even against good teams. Now we've lost several of those games. We played well against the Chicago Bulls the second time we played them. We played well against Phoenix. Uh it was that was either the game before or the game after the Bulls game. We played very well. We blew a lead against the Memphis Grizzlies, but we lost that game by 3 all with the same or similar available talent to what we have right now. Whatever you think of the roster construction of this team or the future prospects of this team, I don't think there's anyone who thinks there's a 37-point difference between the available talent that the Lakers had versus the available talent that the Denver Nuggets had. Uh, Do you guys disagree with that? Or were we like, did you guys think that we were out, like we didn't have the horses against the Nuggets to even compete? Because I I, I don't feel that way. It's not about, to me, the score difference. It's about that they're like, they're better. Um, I think with with what they had on the court, with what the Lakers did, unless you're expecting LeBron to carry again this just absolutely insane burden on both ends. So I I don't they're not 37 points better, but they're better. Chicago was a little better. Uh, Memphis but, is a little and, better. And like if we those lose teams by, are better. And if we lose by six, though, Mike, but if we lose, that's the margin is important. I think if we lose by six because we lost to a team that was a little bit better, but like 30, I don't know, man, 37 considering the available talent that they have, like and. I watched how hard we play. You know what I mean? Like the opponent doesn't determine whether you play hard or not. Well, so I'd be curious what Darius thinks here, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to use the short term to look into the big picture. And by saying that they, yes, they competed pretty well and lost some of those tight games. And if they don't compete well, they're going to get blown out, but it's the same team. And like, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be held to the standard of playing a certain degree, but they're limited with what they're doing. They're going to be able to do personnel wise, defensively. They're small. Um, not just inside, but on the perimeter. They don't have an immediate answer to go to because it's, you know, they tried that with Dwight. DeAndre's not going to come in and change things. They can't go back to the style that they won the title with. So really it is dependent upon having the best small ball center in the NBA, AD come back and in theory then change everything as it slots down. But the, I just don't, whether they get blown out or whether they've lost some of these tight games or whether they beat bad teams uh, at home by playing well, I think that they've been basically the same team, um, you know, barring again, the it's never fun to watch a, an effort wane uh, and the spirit wane like it did against Denver. 
the margin does matter because I think the margin reflects how hard the Lakers played or did not play. My point is, there seems to be a certain understanding of Pete, like you said, like looking in the mirror. I think the Lakers have looked in the mirror and realized they're not a very good team. I think the Lakers have looked in the mirror and have figured out that if they play much harder than their opponent, that gives them a chance. It gives them a chance. It does not like I think the Lakers are looking for an idea that helps them know that they're going to actually win and be better like and be better. The prospect of that is kind of exhausting to feel like you have to you have to out effort another NBA team who is always going to be up for you every night. Like that's that's hard. See, that's not the I've seen us like when we've won and we've beaten other teams and we've beaten other teams that are around 500 like us. That's what like. I suppose my ex- my expectations for what I think we are as presently constructed between a 500 and 600 team, depending on how well we're playing. There are, you know, lineup things and, and scheme things that I think that we should be making adjustments on. But again, there's a certain amount of like that stuff doesn't matter if you're going to go out there like that. Like, listen to how yes. I mean, LeBron apologized. Russ sure. and Dwight in the postgame were like, yo, that, of that course. This that is like the cut fifth it. time, though, you know? that they've and all said something like it, it's not it, like like not LeBron. It, but it reminds me of like Anthony Davis last season where he was basically just like, I'll be better next game. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, right, because it was a whole season, basically, until he came back in that last stretch where LeBron was out and AD finally looked like oh like he's making his push and that mm-hmm. was the version where it looked like oh the lakers are going to maybe be a problem in the playoffs and then his growing gets messed up and then that's it right but there's a certain amount of we're halfway through the season like you the idea of we've seen this story enough to me where this is this is who they are it is this is who they are the version of like, OK, well, we've got maybe a four or five game stretch in us where we look good, right? With this version of guys, right? Like, And there's context to all of this, like, uh, and that context is is important. But they've had this group for long enough that it's sort of just like, OK, well, either you're going to commit to doing the things that you need to commit to for the rest of the time. Or you're not. And to this point, they have not shown that they're going to actually commit to doing those those things for for all of the time. Right now, the so I look back to the championship season. The letdowns were the exception. They just were right. And there were stretches within games where the team looked a little bit like, oh, my goodness, this like this team doesn't have have it tonight. But then suddenly their defense tightens up, they lock in and like, oh, that 14 point lead that the other team had is gone. Right. This team, the letdowns are much more common to to the point where you would imagine that that is their their default. And so let's go to break here because I don't want to say that we're at um, that we're butting heads with this, but there's there is a through line through some of this stuff that I'd like for us to try to explore a little bit more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this idea of do they have enough or don't they have enough? Are they waiting for the talent to come back? Is that what's going to spark them and have them turn it on? That stuff concerns me as a general ethos for them to look at or for that to be like an undercurrent for this team. I think it cannot be that. Because if it is that, this team is destined to fail. I think they have to find a certain amount of internal motivation in order to play hard and find a commitment to doing the things that they need to do every single night to give themselves a chance. My question to you is, do you think this team has that fortitude that they have that resolve? I have to sort of pull a context thing for this. So this is why I think it's important to try and watch the rest of the league Because if you watch Golden State right now, they've been terrible um, for a week. And the biggest reason is because Draymond Green is out. Uh, With that, that saps sort of the belief and the energy from some guys like Steph Curry. uh, Because they know that they're not good enough to really win. Because they have enough vets on that team to know that they're not good enough. Especially when they're going up against other teams that see the Warriors come in and they play hard. Guess what happened to Utah when Rudy Gobert was out last week? They lost four straight games. So all of the context there. And Laker fans who just watched the Lakers probably don't want to hear that. Because it sounds like excuses and, well, what well, do you especially mean? in context with the rest of the season. There was no point like Utah had where it's like, oh, we won 10 straight. So you have no capital built up in in yeah. in, in benefit of the doubt. So like that, a part of what, and that's what I was trying to say in, in the first segment. It's like, well, yeah, guys, like they're, they're not, with Westbrook coming in, the idea of what that was going to be in some senses was, okay, it's a third star that can help carry and bridge the gap. And that hasn't been the case. That wasn't the case when LeBron was out early. It's not the case now where he's able to step up and be like at that guy that's going to carry you through a win um, if LeBron didn't have it for a night. That hasn't happened yet this season. So until Anthony Davis comes back, this this team is not which other role players are going to come in and really step their game up. Uh, and especially the guys that are the vets that sort of know how the league works. So I'm not, I have not seen that they have enough without, without being fully healthy. If they're fully healthy and we see the whole system play out, like then I'm still, I still really want to see that, but I'm not, I'm not going to act all surprised that they lost that game in Denver. Uh, the, the amount was because they didn't give the proper effort and, and they know that. And that's why LeBron apologized. Yeah. 
it's important to me to look at this team right now in the present tense and rather than there's there are many credible arguments to be made that the idea of this team was flawed and that that the there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow even if they get their shit together that it's not it's got a limited ceiling but the Denver game in particular the reason why I want to focus on that is that was a game where Russ was fine he certainly wasn't the reason that we lost by 37 points. He kicked Aaron Gordon's ass for a little while and he made a couple mistakes, but it was another zero turnover night. He scored okay. He was, I think, around 50% from the field. He got to the line. Um, was it, and and so, like, we still lost by 37, you know? That's, that's the type of night where, yeah, that's a decent second star night that he had that night. It certainly wasn't the reason that we got blown out, Darius. And so that idea of like what can we be down the line i don't want to look at this team right now through that down the line lens like the job of every team is to get to the best version of themselves flawed as they may be now i think that there need to be some i I think that one attribute that we severely under um that we undervalued over this offseason that speaks to Mike's point about this being January basketball. And if you zoom out from the Lakers perspective, you look around the league, there's all sorts of teams going through different things right now that if that their their fans are as frustrated as Laker fans are right now or close to it for different reasons. Um, but our job is to get to the best version of ourselves and We are not on the track. I've seen glimpses of what we can be when we do play hard, but we don't have a lot of guys who we have a lot of guys who follow LeBron's lead. If I could put it in the most plain English possible on defense, if LeBron is taking a more casual approach, they're taking a more casual approach. And that's something where in terms of personnel, a lot of the guys who were internally moted, Caruso, KCP, Kuz became this kind of guy in time where they're running around doing all that, all that stuff. That's part of the reason why I think Stanley Johnson should play more. Um, but it's I think we are paying the price for that at this point of the season that LeBron has to be like, all right, I'm Draymond Green tonight on defense for everybody to be like, OK, us two, we're going to be the best versions of ourselves. And I think we're really paying a price for that right now. Yeah, that's a problem. Is it a resolvable one? No, I was going to use some harsh language, so I will pull back. Some of these players are showing that they're not capable enough. Who do we have that you would trust to trust to p- play credible defense? No, no, no. So who do I think the Lakers have that can play credible defense over a 48 minute period or over like a five possession stretch? No, over over a game. Over a game. I think they have LeBron James. I think they have Anthony Davis. I think they have Austin Reeves. If you ask me like, oh, who do they have that can like heed up the ball for 48 minutes? I think Avery Bradley can do that. I don't think that he can manage a guy who is like working him off the ball back door. He lost De'Aaron Fox about seven times in the his, Kings game. Uh, we've got to talk about it. I've been no, no, so, so frustrated with his defense. I'm just saying that. And, and, and so like there's a lot of guys that do not do their jobs. They don't. They don't do their jobs. And then there are other guys who you who not you. Sorry, the royal you like just just like just like the royal we Mm -hmm. like I'm old enough to remember when the idea of Trevor Ariza coming back. The idea was thought that he was going to be helpful. 
right? That he's a potential combo forward that can play next to LeBron James and yada, 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 yada. Trevor Ariza has looked not good. And and with Carmelo Anthony out, like the Lakers are again in a position where they have no forwards, right? And it's like this idea of, okay, well, at least Carmelo was like, well, I'm getting these shots up. I got offensive gravity. Like, I'm going to do some things on that he'll get side. Some of defensive the boards. He's 250 pounds. You know, he's helpful in some ways around the basket, at least. Some of these guys in their stints, they have they have stunk. Sorry. So I'm looking at you're asking me, oh, is this resolvable? I, I mean, sure. Does the cryogenic chamber that LeBron sleeps in, is it going to make him like superhuman every single night where he can play 45 minutes and be unbelievable on both sides sides of the ball? Like, I'm sorry, I don't think that's how those things work. So mm-hmm. if if this team is going to take their lead from LeBron James, LeBron James is in his 19th season. Mm-hmm. It should not be... On it shouldn't. Him. But, right, this it, is the, but what I'm saying is that because there are so many guys on the team that fit that description, sure. it makes the players who don't fit – like, and that brings me to my point, which is Stanley Johnson. Sure. Stanley Johnson plays hard on yes. every possession. And, and part of the reason I think that – I don't think the situation is as dire as you do. I think it's a matter of replacing vet minimum guys with even guys who are sitting at home. Right the thing now. is, though, is, they, is, been, is like, they tried that. They've been doing that. They've called up guys on two ways. They've called up other vets. Like, I, this is the what I don't get, Pete. Like, you're LeBron James isn't supposed to be doing this this year. He's not supposed mm-hmm. to be having to be the best player on offense and defense every single night. And everybody mm-hmm. else has to take that lead. That is what I'm saying about Russ. He can't just be fine at Denver. Like, that's if that's but, the guy that's going to come you know, in. What I'm saying is that it shines a big old light. On all of the other problems, we've talked so much about Russell Westbrook and why Russell Westbrook is the reason why things are going the way that they are. Russ was fine, and we lost by 37. We haven't talked a lot about that on on this pod. We haven't been doing the whole, like, just Russ thing every night, but – you know, it's not- the, the royal, the royal we, as Darius said, yeah. right? Like the discussion about the Lakers yes. has been so centered around Thank Russell you. Westbrook and where he is deficient. My argument is that, in a grander sense, you can that that idea that he hasn't been able to step up in the absence of and be a number two option, which has been what he's been asked to be from most of this season. No argument for me there. And that he has not been able to step into that. I am not as disappointed by that because I have not had the expectation that he could. We've seen how that story ends every single year. And as he gets older, as an as a point guard who's at who relies so much on his athleticism, we've seen how that story goes over the years too. That when a guy is no longer just absolutely freakish athletic athletically and is just great athletically, he can fall off of a cliff fairly quickly. So I don't have that expectation of Russ. But if I did, the Denver game would be fine relative to what I would expect from a second option. Maybe I'd like a few more assists and maybe I thought he actually defended okay. He was one of the few people that actually played with some verve defensively. He There are times where he'll lose a guy and, and they'll get a put back dunk, right? Not saying he played perfectly, but my point is that overall in that one game against the Denver Nuggets, Russell Westbrook was fine as a second option. And so what does that say about us and about the play, the holes elsewhere and what is going what is going wrong in the moment right now that on a night when Russell Westbrook is fine that we get 
just we get run off the floor. And what I'm saying is that before even personnel, before schemes, lineups, and all of that, that you have to play hard. You have to play together. There are certain things that it doesn't even have to be about basketball. There just has to have a certain degree of togetherness that is required for you to succeed as a team endeavor. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and you guys bring us back in after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike, I want to kick this to you quickly, but to me, this is where the personnel does matter. I think Avery Bradley wants to play hard. Well, so that's the thing. Bradley makes mistakes of players who play hard. Like he's picking up guys in the backcourt that it's like, hey, you don't need to guard a guy 60 feet away. Now it's a four on four. Anyway, but Bradley looks slow against mm-hmm. the Nuggets. Like he looked like his legs were not all of the way there. Bradley's not old, but he plays a taxing style himself. Mm-hmm. And then there is a certain amount of like off ball awareness stuff that I think feeds into how he can look slow too. But even on the ball, there were a couple of possessions where I'm like, oh, he's really trying to run to stay side by side with this guy. But it's like how it's NFL playoff weekend, right? It's like how a faster wide receiver just runs by the cornerback. And it's just like, oh, that cornerback, he doesn't have it against a dude who is this quick. And I thought Bradley was getting exposed a certain amount like, like that. Ariza was like that too, I thought. So, Mike, this idea of playing hard, that internal motivation, that that turning of the dial more towards the players who are going to do that for you and not necessarily rely on LeBron James to be the North Star for this team. This is and, my, my and, point. And, and, that's and I think we need to make aspect. roster changes, by the way, as well, that get a couple more guys that fit that description. But carry Yeah, on. yeah. And, and so, Mike, like, what are your... Th- because I think we're all on the same page. LeBron James shouldn't have to be this guy at Agreed. this point in the year. And who is going to fill into those gaps, I think, is an important question. And it's the question that I think wherever this season goes, a major part of, of that course correction is going to be based off of the answer to that question. Well, the obvious answer, again, is Anthony Davis. Like Anthony Davis is the only guy that can come in and fill a bunch of those boxes. And there's no team in the league that can, that can lose their first or second best player and, not, and be good enough. There's just not. Up in, except for when KD joined the Warriors. Maybe that team could have survived. And maybe they lose one of those years to Cleveland when they were at their peak. But that, So that's, that's A1. So when he's out... Then you have a couple of, like, this is the thing we've talked about all year. So you've got THT, who's on his deal, and you've got Kendrick Nunn, who is yet to play. And Pete, what you're asking for is all guys that you're asking to play harder and play better and play more succinct and cover on defense. No. They're all vet men's, rookies, or two-way guys. And the tools by which to add to that and get other players, you're very, very limited. So that's the part that where that's why I could kind of keep getting back to Russ and and sort of that being the other area for potential growth and increase. I just I don't know where else in the roster um, where you're looking to expect these things from some of these guys. I don't think what I'm 
asking for is particularly difficult to acquire. I'll give you an example. Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews could have been back, right? He's somebody that I'm watching play hard every night in Milwaukee. And there's there are a lot of guys on vet minimum contracts. Stanley Johnson, who, who hopefully will be signing another 10-day uh, deal with the Lakers. Stanley Johnson is an example of this type of player. Like what I'm asking for is not particularly an extravagant or hard thing to find. There are vet minimum players all over the league. Even Kent Bazemore is somebody that I it bothers me a little bit that we can't haven't been able to to get something out of him because he was a competent enough three and D guy on a team that certainly needs defense and certainly needs somebody that has more players that have kind of that internal motor. But what I'm saying is that those types of guys are, are findable. We've got the trade deadline coming up. We've got the buyout market. I don't think like that's the caliber of player that I'm looking for. It's just that a couple of, so Wayne Ellington, for example, right? Wayne Ellington is not, Wayne Ellington does what he does. He's a specialist, but he doesn't have that type of like internal motor. I'm going to play hard on defense. He has some capability there. He can chase guys around screens and and he gives an earnest effort, you know, most of the time. But it's not that's not who he is the way that Wes Matthews like Darius. I know I know how Wes Matthews is going to play. And there's that. I think we undervalued collectively motor. Um, I've been fairly happy with THT's motor defensively. I wanted to add him to, to that group of players that I think played decently hard throughout the game. Now, he might not play well, but. Does that does that give a, a di- like a different clarity on what I'm trying to say, Mike? About like what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for these like extravagant, just like guys who are going to run yeah, around I, and do stuff. I think we were kind of having a different argument because they, on, in this point, I agree. Like I would, and this is why, as we go back to since I started joining the pod, I prefer the more D two three as opposed to the more three than D guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've said that all along. I still say that, and I still say that with this roster. And so, absolutely. At, either ahead of at the trade deadline, whatever. Um, I would love to flip two spots, you know, to in that kind of direction. So that part I agree on. I've just I've been saying that what they have right now, let's not they be surprised that. that it hasn't. Yeah, that's all. Yep. My only pushback on that is like Stanley Johnson isn't playing enough right now. In a situation, Darius, where we have a lot of guys that aren't that aren't playing very much. Him, Austin, those guys that can play a little bit. And I'm not talking about a G League guy who's you know. Looking, uh, I guess, suppose I am. <laughs> I suppose I am with Stanley Johnson talking about a G the guy who's looking to prove himself. But Johnson in particular is somebody where there's no aspect of his game where he's bad. Like when he hits, when he hits an open three, I'm not surprised. When he makes a nice defensive play, I'm not surprised. When he handles the ball a little bit, I'm not surprised. He's not great at anything, but that jack of all trades and that motor that. I think we need to get that back or to whatever degree we've had it. And I've seen this group have it enough, Darius, to where I'm not as resigned to like the, well, that's what this team is, that this is all that they can do. I think that we can't get all the way to where we need to be, but turning the dial more toward Stanley Johnson, more toward Austin Reeves, those guys who you know are going to are gonna play hard and and really bring that – baseline degree of effort that can help LeBron chill a little bit more. Um, even Dwight, like Dwight plays hard for us, you know? So if, especially as we wait for Anthony Davis to come back, those guys playing as much as possible right now, I think is really important. So I agree. And now I'm going to give a devil's advocate argument to push back against that idea is what you're suggesting is a game of whack-a-mole. It's been a whack game of whack-a-mole the whole time. Yeah. And this is where the 
skepticism starts to like creep in more and more about what this team can be, this version especially. Sure, take player X off the floor and give Stanley Johnson more minutes. That impacts your floor spacing. It impacts these other... It's like you move in one direction and every single player, and this is where it's so frustrating, is that there is a spinning plates element to this Lakers roster. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for me to zoom in on one plate and be like, oh, well, look, if we just keep that one plate no, spinning. That but, isn't my argument. It's one of the many plates. It's one of the many dials to be yeah, turned. No, I'm but not, what I'm saying is we've been doing certain, like Avery Bradley started every game yes. that he's been healthy for. So yes. like the idea that, oh, we've tried everything or like we're still funneling to the basket with without any forwards yes. on the group. And not, we could do, we could change all of those things. And then we're still between a 500 and 600 team that's going to lose some games. It's not going to play hard some nights. I'm not saying that, that, but in our current state, without Anthony Davis, there are things that we need to be figuring out what our identity is and what we actually are. And there are some, there are some walls we, I feel like we've been banging our heads against for long enough this season that reconsidering the approach is, is important. I'd love to play Austin Reeves more. I'd love to play Stanley Johnson more. I think that there are times, though, where the team is also over-reliant on Malik Monk mm -hmm. to be a difference maker. I'd love for THT to be someone who could make more of a two-way impact on a night-to-night -night basis. Yeah, there are some nights where just on offense, he just doesn't bring anything. And, like, look, I wrote about Russell Westbrook the other day. I tried to do my best as someone who, like, analyzed him as thoughtfully as I could. There are times where it's just like, and I don't want to blame Russell Westbrook for this, but there is a slotting element that is important here. He is the team's second best player right now. And in, and in the absence of production from players who are not your second best player, looking for him to produce at a level that sometimes goes beyond what is expected of him is important too. Can, can he do that while also turning back the dial on the turnovers? I would argue that's a very difficult ask is to be like, all right, we no, need sure, you to, but to that's step what up I'm your saying. production, but just don't turn the ball. You see what he, I'm saying? Yes, Pete, but no one is looking at him. And, I, and, and I'm sorry, this isn't, this isn't an either or. It can't be like, I'm not, zero turnovers. I don't, you're not Chris Paul. Right. Oh, I right? agree. I don't, and, I don't and, like and it. So, I don't like and, want him having zero turnover games, So frankly. it's just like, like, don't, I'm not going to glorify his zero turnover games, just like I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you're a terrible basketball player because you had nine turnovers. I'm, I'm not asking you to glorify the, the zero turnovers. What I'm saying is that the zero turnovers are indicative of a mentality shift within him, of him like, all right, I'm really trying to turn yeah, the ball over less. Too. and and right. that's, so that's what, and so I'm not, that's what I'm saying is that like zero turnovers is actually bad. And, and if we want like the version of Russ that can give us the occasional, oh, he had 30 tonight. He's still capable of 30 point games in the NBA. It's not going to be the version of him that's also getting zero turnovers. LeBron James has had seasons where he's average. Uh, like I don't have his his box in front of me. If someone wants to go to basketball reference right now, then then please feel free. But I, I'm guessing LeBron James has had seasons where he's been quite good. And an all NBA player where he's averaged three and a half turnovers a game or four turnovers. His, his a game. career average is three and a half. 
And so turnovers yeah. are not the biggest deal in the world. Turnovers reflect a certain amount of like risk taking and you need to take risks in order to be good at one basketball. of the top two guys. LeBron mm-hmm. himself always explains this. He's like, there's certain turnovers that are intended to like lead a player to the bucket you know, to get a, uh, with the pass in that one, it happens to go to bounds because the guy doesn't see what you're thinking. That's fine, right? It's the one where you're just careless and you kind of kick it out of bounds or, mm-hmm. you know, you're not running the offense or you're No, iso- Mike, there was a possession a few games ago where Russ had that nine turnover game and he like dribbled between his legs like he was doing an and one mixtape thing and dribbled the ball right out of bounds. And I'm just like, yeah, see, Don't, that you can't it. have that. But like, so yeah, so that's, let me, let me try to make this point a different way. If you're, you know that the last couple of years, what I always rail on is, is that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are real super like they can impact both ends. And so I always use this to talk about guys that aren't that are thought of as stars, but that don't really do it on one end or the other. And I've talked about Donovan Mitchell or yes. Devin Booker before he's made, you know, before he's made a surge. He's got much better on defense. Or even yeah. Damian Lillard, right, uh, who has been awful on defense uh, the last couple of years or up until recently, like there's a lot, we can go all around the league. And so that is another part of Russ's limitation in that he's not going to really impact the game defensively. Whereas, and so if LeBron is on the court playing 35 to 37 minutes and Russ is out there, then he can't quite have that typical impact that he might have on an offense. So, so, but this isn't about Russ. This is about AD. And this is again about we keep, we want Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson who, if you are not a Laker fan, you're thinking they're talking about Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson as being the reason why this team is going to no, either win a couple or ah, win a few so or more games. Nobody hears me. That's not it's what like, I'm saying. I, 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 we want to hear you. I love you. I want to hear you. But like, I'm, I agree that those guys can play some more. But Anthony Davis is the guy, is the only guy that can come back and make some kind of a difference to me. But make, make me understand what I'm not getting, because I, I think I get it. Maybe we're just on different wavelengths about what you're saying about Reeves and Johnson. Because I want them to play a little more, too. I just don't know if that's going to make some kind of major difference. They're already playing a lot compared to what people would have thought they would play. Pete, before you respond, I think what this team could really use is two more Austin Reeves and a second Stanley Johnson. Yes. That idea of do you have enough in your legs and and enough sort of know-how within the context of of a high floor physical ability, right? In order to go out there and compete night to night and and do that irrespective of if LeBron James is out there busting his ass defensively, right? And are you going to be mistake-free enough? Stanley Johnson is an interesting test case here because he's been making more and more like I don't want to say mistakes, but he's showing the limitations of why he was sort he of on the fringe. Like mm-hmm. he's been showing me why he's been on the verge of not being in the league, right? But the plays that he makes just from being a physical athlete at his size are plays that like Trevor Ariza is not sniffing some of those plays mm-hmm. right now and that Younger to Trevor me, Ariza did it, oh, it's funny it's kind of funny seeing like yes. the ghost of Christmas past and Reeves and Johnson are both averaging 20 minutes per game that like that's that's my only point an undrafted rookie free agent and a guy they just signed off the street are playing 20 minutes a game and I and nobody's been earlier on Reeves than me so I just don't that's why I, maybe the disconnect is beat. Like they're they're playing twenty minutes a game. Every team needs needs to play with a certain level of spirit and juice and verve in order to be good at what they do. A team like us in particular that I think has to be reliant upon pace and playing with tempo 
more than your average team, therefore becomes more reliant upon said juice and verve and spirit. One of the great flaws of this team is that we don't have a lot of players who bring that internally. Now, I think in some ways Malik Monk is indicative of a lot of what's good and bad about this team in in his individual strengths and weaknesses. He's kind of a, a fractal of the broader team in that he can be pretty electric on offense when his shot is going and he might score a zillion points in a very short period of time. But he's also small um, and he c- can get a little lost on defense and You could be describing the Lakers or you could be describing Malik Monk in that respect. But Malik is kind of the offensive version of what I think Austin and Stanley Johnson bring in that he plays with a certain verve and life and spirit that if you've got a guy like him and even Melo, Melo fits this description too. My my view is that we have hit on some of our vet men guys and we have missed badly on some of our other vet men guys. And that the through line throughout all of them is the Vetman guys that we missed on generally don't play that hard. DeAndre Jordan doesn't play very hard. Ariza so far, maybe getting his win back, his legs back, all that. But the player that he's been has not, he's not really running around and doing stuff the way that I've always been talking about. And so it isn't that Austin Reeves and Stanley Johnson are some saviors of what this team can and will be. I'm optimistic that Kendrick Nunn is a guy that kind of just has a certain juice to him that I think is going to be helpful to this team. But I think that that idea of the guys who play hard and are going to make mistakes, Avery Bradley fits this as well. I don't think that he's appropriate in the starting lineup. That's a whole nother discussion. But there's whether, whether we're talking Ariza, DJ, Wayne Ellington, again, he's a specialist as a shooter, but he's not a life and spirit and verve kind of guy the way that Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves is. And what I'm saying is that on this team in particular, Mike, with the stars that we have, you need to be able to either shoot your ass off or run around and do all the hustle shit that you can possibly do. And there are going to be mistakes within that. But that is why it's turning the dial more toward the Reeves and Johnson type guys on the roster and living with their mistakes. We need more guys who are going to play hard and hustle and, and do all yeah, of that. Total, totally agree. And I, th- I think that they have basically done that. Like they benched DJ Ellington had been benched until he just came back because Mello was out of the rotation. And other than Ariza, who they're really trying to figure out if they're going to get something out of, you know, which of those guys are playing over uh, Reeves or, or Johnson? Like, I think that the coaches that see what you do and what I do, and I think that's already happened. And I, I don't think it's it's having a massive impact on winning or losing. But uh, the theory I'm with you on. I, I think they need to turn that down more personally. Let's wrap up here. Where I want to wrap it up is where we started. LeBron James sent out a tweet and he said, I promise we're going to be better. And for all the talk that we just had about, well, so many of these guys follow LeBron's lead. Well, I think LeBron just jammed his foot in the door and basically opened, yep. it was and opened so, up that so crevice. About, that he tweeted that. Yeah, about, we needed like, that badly. I'm going to lead us there. Yes, sir. In the absence of anything else, I promise you we're going to be better. And so we will see where, where that goes. The Lakers play the Jazz tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to cover all of that. Here on the next... 
Oh, I thought you were going to lead us out. Yeah, no, man. And we're going to get our butts kicked if we played the way that we did against Denver. But that's why LeBron tweeting, that was super important to me. That idea of will be better. Before you can accomplish anything, you have to believe that you can in the first place. Plant I would love flag, to talk. And we talked about he can't be always the North Star, but he's saying... If I still got to be that dude, I will be. No, I guess. he can't always be the fuel. He can't always be the guy that's got to go out there and be like, ah, I'm playing like this is game six of a series. We're down three, two. Like that's ridiculous to ask that of LeBron James every night. But he is our North Star. He can't always. The North Star is always the North Star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it doesn't have the choice of can't always be. It is always the North Star. LeBron is our North Star. So him tweeting something like that is significant. We will see where it goes here tonight uh, against the Utah Jazz and cover it tomorrow here on on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Bryant, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.